This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Gusto, modern, easy payroll benefits for small businesses across the country. And because you're a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. Find out at gusto.com slash tape. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Brad Sugars. He is the founder and chairman of Action Coach and the co-author of a book we're going to talk about today, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, Adding Zeros to Your Company Isn't Magic. So welcome back, Brad. Hey, buddy. Good to be back. Good to chat again. So I'm a little disappointed in the title of this book because you claim that it's not magic, and aren't we all just looking for magic? (laughs) You know, it was funny. I sat down with a buddy of mine uh, at lunch like about two years ago, and he says to me, it just seems like magic the way these companies like Ikea and Amazon, it just seems like magic the way they all keep growing and, and, and stuff. And I sat there, I said, you don't really believe that, do you? Because, you know, magic is just a system as well. Magic is just a methodology of getting a result that looks like X, and it's just a system that people follow right behind it. And I, I think that he sort of looked at me weird, and I looked at him weird, and I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book on this. And so here we are two years later. Well, I think you hit on a really good point. I think a lot of companies that do things, not not household name companies, I mean, any company that you look at from the outside and it just, you know, you use magic or whatever term you use. Uh, I think sometimes magic or genius or growth, it, it involves so many things that we don't see or don't understand. And I think the really great companies just make it look easy, don't they? Look, I, I think that the greatest of anything, any any greats in anything, sport, acting, music, business, you name it, the greats make it look easy. It's like my wife makes it look easy running our house with five kids and all these things going on and stuff. It's like, hang on, that's, that's not that easy. It's uh, tough. But I think what we found in writing Pulling Profits is that – when you look at businesses that are having real growth, and I mean, you know, exponential year-on-year growth, you notice something about them that is just different to other companies. And it starts with that mindset of it is possible to have that level of growth. Well, well and let's, uh, let's unpack that term because I was going to ask you about it because you use it throughout the book, this idea of exponential mm-hmm. growth. I mean, how is that different from year-over-year growth? Well, let's think about this. So we go into most business scenarios and you chat with the average business person and they're sitting there saying, well, you know, what we're looking for here is we're looking for 20% or 30% growth. And my first challenge to all of them is, well, what about 10 times, 20 times, 30 times growth? And they look at you like you're very weird. You know, multiplication growth is different to percentage growth. And it's like, well, how would we do that? What would have to happen in order for us to do that? And that's where... Just that mental change, it, it just has to be there for a person to actually understand it. And it's like, um, you know, probably the best example is that, do you remember the movie, uh, what was it called, The Founder, Ray Kroc movie? Did you did you ever see that one? I did not. Uh, so it was about, so I use the example of that because it, it shouldn't have been The Founder, it should have been The Finder. Ray Kroc came along and he, he found this business, the McDonald Brothers. The McDonald Brothers were looking for annual growth, percentage growth. Ray Kroc comes in, looks at it differently and says, okay, how do we put this on every street corner in America and eventually every street corner in the world? And it's looking at it from a different perspective. Like, 
you know, for me as an entrepreneur, I, I mean, I just bought a company down in uh, Melbourne, Australia. It's a commercial cleaning business, and one down in uh, Houston, Texas, a, a, a property management company. And I look at them, and they're amazing businesses with a singular office, and they do phenomenal things, great marketing, great sales systems, good culture, all of that, that sort of stuff. However, uh, at no point are they considering opening up across the U.S. or across England or across the world for that matter. And so it's really just starting with that mindset, I guess, of exponential growth. Well, and, and you use the word mindset. I mean, for a lot of people, they can't ever get past this because they won't allow themselves to think that way. I got to tell you, buddy, it's kind of scary to think, okay, what if we went for 10 times or 20 times growth and missed it? You know, at least at 30%, I'm safe. There's no real risk. All I got to do is work a little bit harder, a little bit more, push my people a bit better, train them a bit better, get a few more customers. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that safety margin. But when we go and see companies that are growing exponentially and we start seeing that level of just domination of a market very quickly, People sort of sit up and go, well, I don't think we could do that. Well, yeah, you can, but there is a systematic methodology to it. So let's talk about this word profit. Um, I think one of the things that drives a lot of company is is that bottom line mentality that to, to mm -hmm. reach for 10 times sometimes means maybe you won't make a profit or worse, maybe you'll have to kill the profit you're already making because it's going to require you to do things differently. Um, you actually take profit kind of on and say maybe it's not the sacred cow that it used to be you know the interesting thing is that what we look at in most business today and this is where you know big business i guess has had this understanding for a long time it's the value of the company that we're looking to build not necessarily the immediate profit of the business small business unfortunately lives with a day-to-day -day profit mentality rather than what's the value of the business we're building now in the beginning i know with all of my small businesses when i first started out we needed that profit dude we needed that tomorrow because if we didn't have the profit we weren't bootstrapping our way through so i get that whole philosophy but i think that where we're looking for or profit. Profit can be defined differently as we go forward in business today. Profit can be defined in retention of employees. It can be refined, defined in retention of customers. It can be defined in how we add value to the community that we're a part of. So there's many different ways to look at it. When Within the book, we go through the five main constituents and how you build so that each of them actually gets a win. And absolutely, I'm, you know, I'm an accountant by training. The bottom line has still got to be there. You've got to have that profitability for valuation. You've got to have that profitability to fund growth, to do all those things. So that's an interesting debate, my friend, and I'm sure that we could continue it for years and years. Well, it's interesting you mentioned and you talk about in the book the, the, the companies that do what you describe, pulling profits out of a hat, adding zeros, do meet a win for all these constituencies. Do you find that companies that do that, do that intentionally, or maybe that's just built into their mission or who they are or what they believe, and then it happens? Um, or, or does it have to really be something that you sit down in a room and say, we're going to do X, Y, and Z? I personally think it's about planning it because a lot of the companies we look at when it comes to so matching the five constituents is the five core disciplines. And when it looks at when I look at the five core disciplines in the average organization, what I start to see is they're pretty good at two, three of them. 
but then the other two areas, and it normally depends on where the CEO or where the C-level execs are strong. You know, if they're real strong in that uh, people side of the business, then obviously they're going to have fairly strong mission and people development and that sort of thing. So it's really a balancing act, my friend. I think that some people naturally stumble across it, but in most cases it's a planned uh, growth strategy. And, and, and let's name them. Strategy, business development, people, execution, and mission. And I think you hit on a really good point. A lot of founders, solopreneurs, they start a company, they're good at strategy, or they were great marketers, or they're, they're good at execution. And there's probably not too many human beings <laughs> that are just wired to be good at all five of those disciplines. So, you know, how, how do you bring them all together. You know, it's interesting because now uh, through this book, we've now developed a programs for businesses to do that. And what we find though, buddy, is this. And and if, if I can spend a minute defining each one in a moment, but what we find is this, that in a business where the C-level execs all just keep hiring other C-level execs like themselves or with an owner who hires people like themselves, uh, very quickly, it uh, the business leans in one direction. You know that the differentiation of people is a core to a great team, and that's that's a big part of it. Everyone loves payday, but loving a payroll provider—that's well, a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and management tools to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might fall in love yourself. Hey, and as a listener, you get three months free when you run your first payroll. So try a demo and test it out at gusto.com slash tape. That's gusto.com slash tape. So... And we will come back and maybe in the course of doing this, or you can uh, kind of outline them all. But one of the things I found interesting, most people start with mission. Um, and I'm not saying you necessarily put these in order, but I found it interesting that mission was the fifth of the disciplines. You know, I always start, if I'm going to start with a business, the first thing I look at is strategy. Because without strategy, the business and how it delivers, and I'm not talking about, oh, we're using Facebook advertising. That's a tactic. A strategy is the core of the business. Like, Let's say I went into um, I don't know, the music business. I can go into the music business and I can be a drummer in a band. I'm still in the music business. Or I can be Spotify or iTunes or something like that. Or I can be right in the middle being a, a music production house or something. Do you know what I mean? Like the strategy within which you attack it. Like even if you take iTunes, you go back to Apple's strategy, their original strategy of make a computer, sell a computer – they had to change strategy, otherwise they were going to go bankrupt. You know, Steve Jobs becomes a brilliant strategist, goes away and runs Pixar, learns this, learns leverage, which is one of the four components to strategy, as well as learning great management and leadership skills, comes back to Apple and says, hang on, we got to get out of this make it once, sell it once business. And so he went into the music business where, you know, and even more genius than me, Steve Jobs, never make a song and sell it forever. I mean, that's... My definition of leverage is do the work once, get paid forever. If a business has to um, fight against leverage, if it's getting a customer once and then they have to go and get another customer the next time, 
these are some of the things that, that fall under strategy, like scalability falls under strategy. If a business today has to have human interaction to uh, make a sale, then its scalability factor is limited. Like we look at how Uber took out the human factor from the taxi business. You know, instead of having to make a phone call to a person who then dialed out and got another person to answer the phone call, and then Uber goes straight through technology, no human interaction, boom, got the sale made. And that's how they can scale so fast. You know what's interesting about that example is that technology was available to Yellow Taxi, uh, but mm-hmm. they chose not to employ it because it was going to shake up the status quo, and consequently, they're struggling now. Well, the MP3 player was invented by Sony, who's one of the biggest music companies in the world. Now they're paying 30 cents on the dollar to Apple to sell every song they make on a machine they invented. So, you know, just because you... <laughs> it's, the, the, that's where execution comes in, I guess. That's one of the five disciplines as well. <laughs> but also mission. I go back to mission because you mentioned that. And I think that one's really important. And whether it's fifth or – because here's the thing about the five of them. If I go into a company that's really good at mission and really good at, say, people and execution, but its business development is struggling, then it doesn't matter what order we put them in because every business is different. But the mission is, you know, and Apple, again, another success story on mission because mission is all about the word love, in my opinion. Do your customers love buying from you? Do your staff love coming to work? You know, in the days of the lowest levels of employee engagement we've seen in a long time, or maybe it's just measured today and it wasn't always, you know, we sit here thinking, how do we get our people to love coming to work? And how do we get our customers to love buying from us? Not just enjoy it, not just buy from us because we're cheaper or we got better marketing, but because they love doing a transaction with us. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that's tough for a lot of companies is some of these things, some of your disciplines require investment that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't drop to the bottom line, at least not immediately. I mean, we all know it does. You know, your happy, yeah. engaged employees drop to the bottom line, whether, whether or not, you know, they're making a sale. Um, and, and, and I think that, isn't that one of the challenges for a lot of people? It's, I don't want to say it's a leap of faith, but it's a, hey, we're going to invest in mission and in people, and those may not immediately make a sale. Yeah, buddy, look, for many years investing in my team and investing in the humans in my business, because that's, if you look at the discipline of people and try and describe it real quick, it's how you build your people determines how they build your business. And if you don't build your people, then don't expect them to, you can't expect people to outperform their training. Let's just make it that blunt. I, I remember as a young man going to my dad, I think I was about 20 or 21, and I said, Dad, I just can't get good people. I can't hire motivated good people. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, son, you get the people you deserve. You're an average manager running an average business. Highest caliber employee you should expect is average. I'm like, hey, thanks, Dad. That was really, really great advice. Uh, And it was. At the time, it stung like anything. I mean, it was like, thanks. Wow. But what what I've had to learn and what a lot of people have to learn is that if you don't build your people, I mean, how you recruit, hire, train, induct, mentor, manage, lead your people today determines where your business is at tomorrow. Um, you know, the longevity of business is all about building great people who build great businesses. And I think that whole section of the book is quite eye-opening for a lot of people about how they want to build long-term. And I think it really comes down to how the leader of said business views those disciplines because there are a heck of a lot of 
business owners that I talk to that still think marketing or business development in this case is a cost and that people are a cost, <laughs> you know, as opposed to an investment. I, I, I love that you bring that up because you and I every day agree on this, you know, wholeheartedly. The reality of marketing is if you're doing it wrong, it is an expense. If you're doing it wrong, it's the dumbest thing you could ever do in your business. But if you're doing it right, it's the world's best investment. Business development, your sales, your marketing, your customer service. You know, there's, and I, I love that you use the word discipline now with me because we put it in this book as a discipline of business development and the five disciplines because it's not something you got right once and then you could just let it run. Your sales team needs to be trained daily and brought up to speed daily because the market shifts. I was with someone the other day, and I said, tell me, uh, do your customers know more about your competitors than, you, than your salespeople? He said, oh, probably. And I said, well, then you're out of business. He looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, if, if I'm a customer and I know the benefits of your competitor better than your salespeople do, you can't sell me. I can sell you, and what I'm selling you is that you can't help me. So, yeah, uh, you and I both know. I mean, I wrote that whole book, Buying Customers, to teach entrepreneurs and executives about the whole principle of how much money you need to invest to buy customers. So does what you're um, outlining in Pulling Profits change the role of the typical leader? Uh, dang, buddy, that's a tough question. I don't think it changes it. it, it uh, actually, I'll give you an answer that I got. Uh, I was in Dublin last year giving a speech, and uh, it was a fun one because before me was Lady Michelle Moan, who's a baroness, and after me was Sir Richard Branson. So it was like the, the lady, the convict, and the lord. You know, sending an Australian up between a lady and a lord is kind of funny. Um, but I, I got off stage, shook Sir Richard's hand. He went up and did his gig. And there was a question for him that said, have you had to change your management now with millennials? And he said, no, we've always done good management. And I thought about that for a minute. And to answer your question, does it change? No, it just requires you to actually do it. You know, a great, a great, C, a great CEO or a great entrepreneur will cover all five disciplines. I think that's probably the simplest way to answer it. So my follow-up to that really is, and I'm sure you hear this sometimes, um, you know, it's going to continue to evolve. It's not, none of these disciplines are static as the company changes. I mean, how do you keep this alive and fresh and engaging? Because it, I mean, let's face it, it's sort of exhausting uh, to constantly <laughs> be, you know, juggling all five of these balls. Yeah, so is parenting. Um, you know, I got five kids. Juggling, juggling that is the same, I guess. You know, I, I think it comes back to a very simple understanding, and that is that, um, do you remember Bill Gates did an interview many years ago where they said to him, you know, are you ever worried about someone? He said, listen, there's a kid in the garage somewhere trying to put Microsoft out of business. And he was right, but it was two kids in a dorm room, Larry and Sergey, and they almost got him. You know, and and the point behind that is that that's what I love about business. I love the fact that it's always changing. I love the fact that it's always growing and stuff. And, um, you know, I can wait and follow a bit. You know, the problem with, with imitation or following someone else is that you're second. You know, you're, the view doesn't change too much, second or third, but imitation doesn't get there. So you've got to fall in love with the fact that you've got to keep growing and changing. And I, I think the greatest 
execs and entrepreneurs do love that about business. So Brad, where can people find out more, obviously, at actioncoach.com, uh, but also about, uh, about the book itself? Uh, the book, they can jump on pullingprofits.com or any, any great bookstore, buddy, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you name it. It's, it's sitting on their shelves, I'm sure, and they sell them for me. So, uh, But all they, all they can jump on any of the uh, social media platforms. You'll find me on Insta and Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and all those. Probably not Pinterest. No, you will, Actually, definitely not Pinterest. I'm not that crafty. One, one of the things I meant to point out that I forgot, one of the things I love in Chapter 6, you, you so each of these disciplines we've been talking about, you actually have an assessment for us so we can not only fully or more fully understand the discipline, but also kind of measure where we are in that. And I, I love I love books and, and resources that do that because I think in some cases uh, maybe we learn better by, by doing that kind of assessment. It's interesting. You know, when we sit with businesses and they fulfill that assessment, they start to really understand a bit of a benchmark as to where they're at versus other businesses, not just within their own realm. Because sometimes the challenge is we can't, you know, can't see the forest for the trees. You know, we might think, okay, we're doing great at the uh, ex- at people as a discipline, but then we go and do the tests and we realize, hang on, we're not keeping up with where the market is today. Yeah, it's it's hard sometimes uh, to uh, you get really lulled to sleep sometimes in your own business, and uh, it really does kind of takes to, to take a look outside to or or somebody else, third party, come looking in to help out. And action coach, buddy, that's that's probably the reason why action coach is still around for that exact reason. Hard to see what's in your own business. Pulling profits out of a hat, uh, co-authored by Brad Sugar. So thanks, Brad, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, catch up with you sometime out there on the road. Hey, John, great to be here. And by the way, anyone listening to this for the first time, please subscribe. I love what you're doing, John. I, I'm really a fan of all of, the, of all of the podcasts. Thanks, buddy. 